Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our sermon series entitled 40 Days of Prayer. This series focuses on learning to pray with more confidence and greater faith than ever before. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. So we're in this series where we're focusing on prayer. For 40 days, we're, we're focusing on prayer. You, you see some of the prayer requests that people have been putting on the wall. We've been inviting you and encouraging and even challenging you to do that. We've been meeting early in the morning to pray. We've been uh, encouraging all of our life groups to study prayer. If you're not in a life group, we encourage you to join one. If you haven't picked up your books for a life group of, from 40 days of prayer, you can pick those up after the service day. We are encouraging people during this season to lean into prayer so that you will learn more about prayer, so that you'll take steps of prayer, so that you'll get to know God, and and that will draw you into prayer. And so for for the first couple of weeks, I've been talking about who God is and, and, and helping us sort of build a foundation so that we understand what kind of God we have, and that will draw us into prayer. And, and I want to make a statement this morning that will really help us sort of level set this whole idea about God. Your understanding of what God is really like shapes everything in your life, especially how you understand prayer. Let me say that again. Your understanding of what God is really like shapes everything in your life, especially prayer. So we're going to look at God today and what kind of God we have. And I'll just share with you something that somebody wrote about how we sometimes in the world look at God. They write, you know, some people think God is a a grumpy God, cranky and angry and upset all the time that you can never please God. Some people think God's like a, a crouching tiger God, you know, ready to pounce on you when you make a wrong move. You know, some people think that uh, God's like a, a flaky father. Uh, he's moody. He changes his mind com- uh, continually about you. Some people think that God's like a cosmic cop, that uh, he, the whole goal of God is to make sure you keep the rules. And, uh, you know, who wants to talk to a God like that? Yeah, some people uh, see God as a, as a dictator, always demanding more and more and never getting enough from us. Or some people look at God like, uh, like he's a Santa Claus. Uh, he's making a list and checking it twice. You know, wants to find out if you're naughty or nice. Or some people just want to make God in, in the image that, that they feel comfortable. But, but we're going to look at Scripture today and look at what God tells us. Now, there's all kinds of things Scripture tells us about what God is like. God, scripture tells us that God is, is all-knowing. He's omniscient. Scripture tells us that he's uh, all-powerful, that he's omnipotent. God, uh, scripture tells us that he's omnipresent, that, that he's everywhere. Uh, scripture tells us that he's a creator. Scripture tells us that uh, he sent his son. So he, he reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He sent his son to bring us back to him, and he sent his spirit to dwell in those who believe in him. But, but the most important thing, and this is going to seem a little elementary, but, it, but it's foundational. The most important thing that you need to know about God is that God is a good God. God is a good God. When, think that one through. If God wasn't good, 
Why would you pray to God? If God wasn't good, why would you pour out your heart to God, put the desires of your heart out on display to God? But, but if God's a good God, then you can trust God with the desires of your heart. You can, you can trust God with, with what's going on in your life, and you can trust that he will listen and pay attention. When we realize that God is a good God and that we can trust him, we're going to pray more because we're going to trust more. We're going to know that he is good for us. So I want us to look at four things this morning that will level set this idea about God and his goodness. And here's the first thing that I want to say. God's plans for us are always good. God's plans for you and for me are always good. God wants the best uh, for each one of us. And if you don't know that, uh, that's one thing I just want you to walk out here this morning knowing that that God wants the best for you, that that his plans for you are always good. Now, I'm going to start off with a verse that some of you are familiar with, uh, but I'm going to add on the, the verse that follows it. And it's a verse that tells us about God's plans for us. It's from the prophet Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah said this. He's speaking. God is speaking through him. For I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. God's plans for us are always good. Now, when God gave Jeremiah those words, when when he wrote them down, God was speaking to the people of Israel who had been taken hostage. They had been taken captive by the Babylonian king and the Babylonian army. Babylonia had invaded Israel. They had gone to Jerusalem. They had uh, taken the majority of the population into captivity to their country to become servants and slaves to the king and to the people of the country. And uh, so, you know, the Israelites didn't want to be there. And you can imagine that they were wondering where God was and where God would deliver them. And the entire chapter, chapter 9, is God speaking to the people of Israel in their captivity. And it's amazing what God says to them. What he says to them had to catch them off guard because basically what he said to them is, look, you know, uh, earlier in the, in the chapter, he says, you know, I, I want you to um, build houses and plant gardens. I, I want you to recognize that you are going to have to do life there. You're going to live in Babylonia for a while. And that's not what they wanted to hear. But our good God was saying, do you trust me? Do you, do you trust that my plans are good? And, and a little, uh, little later, what God says to the Israelites, and it must have really caught them off guard. And he says to them, I want you to seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. What? What? You want us to seek the peace and prosperity in the city that we are captives in, that we've been taken as hostages? It must have blown their mind, but, but this is uh, 
our good God saying, I want you to do that. And why in the world would God be saying this? He's telling his sons and daughters, his kids, I want you, <coughs> I want you to influence this city. So the people of this nation will turn to me. So that they will turn away from the false gods uh, that the Babylonians worshipped and they will turn to the one true God. He's saying, I want you to have influence on this. So if you seek the peace and prosperity of this nation, of this city, people will know that it came from me and not from the Babylonian gods. He's saying, I'm going to do something good out of something that's bad that's happened to you. Think that one through. I mean, I mean this, is, this is really uh, exactly what, like what happened to Joseph in the book of Genesis when his brothers, nice brothers, they sold him as a slave to Egypt. And, and years later, when his brothers are in need, they go to Egypt looking for food and, and unbeknownst to them, they meet up with their brother. They don't recognize him. And when he finally reveals himself to them, he doesn't curse them. He doesn't do anything mean to them. He takes care of them. And this is what he says. He says, you planned something for evil, but God used it for good. And that's what our good God is saying to the Israelite who are captives. He's saying, look, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for your good, not for your disaster. Now that, like what? I, we're having a disastrous life right now. We're, we're captives in Babylon. But no, God says, I have plans for your good, not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And he's saying, listen, I want you to pray because I'm going to listen. I have great plans for you. I have something good for you. So he's saying, listen, he says that to the, to the Israelites thousands of years ago, but, but he says that to us today. Those words speak true to us. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you're up or down or sideways or somewhere in between, but God's saying, listen, I got you. I have plans for your life. If you trust me, I have plans for you. I have a future. I have a hope for you. If something bad's going on, I'm going to take care of you. That's why we should pray. We have a good God whose plans for us are always good. Now, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but boy, I'm going through a difficult time. And difficult things are happening. I'm struggling to see good plans in my life. The Apostle Paul understood this, and, and he wrote to the church in Rome, and this is what he said. You're not going to see this on the screen, so I would encourage you to write it down if, you, if you're not familiar with it. Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good those who love him. That's what the Israelites were experiencing in Babylon. That's what, that's what Jeremiah was prophesying to them about. Now, does that mean that God planned for Joseph's brother to sell him into captivity? Does that mean that God planned for Babylon to come in and, and uh, um, take Israel away as captives? This side of heaven, I can't tell you for sure. I don't think so. 
But God's plans and God's ways are better. But, but here's the truth, that, that God will take whatever happens and he'll use it for good for those who love him. And this scripture from Jeremiah has been a promise for, for thousands and thousands of years that have encouraged us to know that God has a plan for our lives and that he will take uh, whatever happens and he will do something good with it if we'll let him. I was thinking about this this week as I was studying this passage. I was remembering back in my own life, back, back in 1982 when I came to faith in Jesus, before I decided to believe in Jesus, I had tons of people telling me that I should accept Jesus, that I should follow him. You know, and, and it seems a little ironic because I was raised going to church, but I just never really trusted Jesus and never believed in him as my Lord and Savior. One of those people is my wife now, Cynthia, and she was telling me that, that I needed to accept Christ. And so I remember after this, my sophomore year of college, I got a, I got a job, ironically, in Connecticut, in Kent, Connecticut, working as a counselor as, as a camp. But before I, I came to Connecticut, I had about a month to find something to do. And so I had a buddy and he gave me a part-time job and I was working and, and living on my own. And in those weeks before I left for Connecticut, I finally trusted in Jesus. I finally said, okay, Jesus, I believe in you and I, and I want to I wanna follow you. And, and so I called up my friend Cynthia and I said, okay, I accepted Jesus. What do I do now? And, and she told me about how to spend time with God on a daily basis, how to, how, how to have a daily devotion, a quiet time. She taught me how to read the Bible and then, and then pray to God. And, and so I left for Connecticut, for the wilds of Connecticut, um, to work at this camp. Uh, there, was, there was no other Christian in the camp uh, that I met the entire summer. And, uh, you know, I was getting up early before everybody else and I was reading my Bible and praying and, and I was growing in my relationship with Christ. But, but look, I, I wasn't perfect. I, 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 was a, I was a new believer and, and, you know, some of the old person was still there. And, and you know, in the course of the, of the first couple of weeks, I, I made a couple of mistakes. In fact, I, I, I made one mistake too many and my boss, uh, you know, basically took me aside and said, you know, Clark, I, I'm not sure we can keep you on. And, you know, and that happened one night, and, and I just remember, it's like, oh, God, what have I done? And that was my prayer. It's like, God, I don't know what I've done. Uh, you know, I, I really goofed up. I think I'm going to be fired. But, but God, I, I, I'm going to turn my life around because I, I'm, this is a wake-up call to me. I've really been stupid. And by God's grace, the next day, I wasn't fired. I, I wasn't sent packing. And I was a, a different person from that day because I realized that God can uh, use all things for good for those who love the Lord. I, I didn't know that verse then. I didn't understand it. But later I came to understand it, that he was he he had plans for me to to uh, to have prosper me. And I just needed to trust him and follow him because when, when I was doing stupid things, I wasn't. God has good plans for us. I learned that early on in my relationship with, us, with, with Christ. Here's the second thing that you need to know about our good God. God always gives us what we need, not what we deserve. God always gives us what we need, not what we deserve. Now, that's not for me. That's from Scripture. Listen to Psalm 103. God does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. God is good. 
And God does not give us what we deserve. And, and what we deserve, sin deserves punishment. Sin deserves a consequence. You know, all of us have been kids. We understand the consequences of sinful, bad behavior. If you've been a parent, maybe you've had to... Uh, hand out some consequences for bad behavior. So you, you know what I'm talking about. So, you know, bad behavior in our system of, of, of parenting and, and, and in our world, you know, deserves a consequence. That's why we have laws and rules. But we have a God who doesn't give us what we deserve when we sin. You know, I experienced grace early on in my walk with Christ. I should have been fired for the mistakes I made on the job, and I was given a third chance. It was a blessing. God doesn't give us what we deserve now. Is God soft on sin? No, he's not soft on sin. He took the sin of the world, he took the sin of everybody, past, present, and future, and he laid it on his son, Jesus Christ, and allowed him to take the spiritual and emotional weight of that and be crucified, be sacrificed, be murdered on a cross to pay the ultimate and final price for the sins of humanity. He's not soft on sin. He loves us. He cares for us. He is a good God, and he doesn't give us what we deserve now, think that one through. You've made mistakes in life, and maybe you've been given a second chance. Maybe you've been given a third chance, a fourth chance. Um, God tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us, and he'll purify us from all our wrongdoing. He doesn't give us what we deserve because he's a good God. Psalm 27 let me read this. God takes care of us, even though we don't deserve it. Even as my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. My enemies are waiting for me, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness. God is good, and he wants the best for us, and he will give us what we need because he's good. God takes care of us. You can trust that. Here's the third thing that I, we want to say about the goodness of God. God always puts our good above his good. God always puts his, our good above his good. Think that one through. We deserved punishment, but we didn't get it. Jesus understood it even before he went to the cross. He told the disciples, so he tells us these words. He goes, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. So, he says, I will sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus puts our good above his good. Jesus dies for the sheep. Now, why does he do that? Because he's good. He's the good shepherd. He does it because he's good, not because we're good. That's important for us to understand. 
Now, I'm not trying to give you an inferiority complex, okay? I'm just telling you that compared to God, we're not good. We know that we sin. We make mistakes. So he puts our good above his good, not because we're good, but because he is good. In, in the book of Romans, we read these words. And, and, you know, early on in Christianity, they struggled with wrapping their heads around what Jesus did. So the Apostle Paul said these words. He said, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Now, though somebody may, might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Sinners equals being called evil. I think that went through. You know, would, would you risk your life for, or for somebody that was evil? I mean, I think we've all probably done things where we've taken risks for somebody else. But would you risk your life for somebody who you knew was evil? who was sinful, who hurt other people, who, who was self-centered. Jesus did that for us, and not just us, just me. He did it for us, not just currently, but generations before and, and generations to come with no guarantee, absolutely no guarantee that we would recognize what he did, that no guarantee that we would actually say, wow, uh, Jesus, thank you for doing that. I believe in you and I want to follow you. No guarantee whatsoever. And remember, he didn't just risk his life. He gave his life. He gave his life. Now, I know that all of you who have put your trust in Jesus, who have decided to say, I believe Jesus died and I accept his forgiveness uh, for me, for his death on the cross, uh, and I want to follow him, I know that you have come to terms with this, and you realize that he puts your good above his good. If you haven't come to terms with that, if you haven't recognized that, if you haven't said, Jesus, I, I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the dead to defeat the power of sin and death, and I want to follow. If you haven't done that, I would be remiss and not giving you that opportunity this morning. So right here in the middle of my sermon, I'm just going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. And look, if, if, if you've never told Jesus you believe in him and that you accept that he put himself above, uh, he put you above himself, then this is your opportunity to do that. So just uh, in, in the quiet of your heart, pray these words silently to Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. Go ahead and tell him that. I believe you died to pay for my sins. And I believe you defeated the power of sin and death. And now I want to follow you. Amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer, uh, you, you finally have said, Jesus, I believe you become a son, a daughter of God. You, you've become part of the family of Christ. And, and I'm excited for you. I, I want to encourage you. So please, you know, contact me after the service because I want to give you some things that will encourage you to grow in that relationship with the God who puts your good above his good. Here's the fourth thing that I want to say about our good God. God always answers prayers for our good. Our good God always answers prayers for our good. If you, if you read through Scripture, if you spend time in the Bible, you're going to come across places where it clearly says 
that God answers prayers, where we're told to pray and trust that he's going to answer. I'm just going to share with you four verses that come from the mouth of Jesus. There are others that come from Jesus and from some of the apostles and even from some of the prophets, but just four of them. I'm just going to go through the, the four gospels. I'm going to start with Matthew. Jesus said these words from Matthew chapter 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. He's telling you to ask. We have a good God that wants to answer your prayers. In Mark, Jesus says, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and, I, and it will be yours. He's basically saying, listen, when you ask, trust me, I'm going to answer your prayer because I'm a good God. So go ahead and pray and trust that I'm going to answer you. In the Gospel of Luke, we have this, this interesting aside where we hear about what Jesus does and he says this, we read this, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. What's that telling us? That we should always pray, that our God wants to hear our prayers, that we shouldn't give up, that we should you know, continue to tell him what we need, what's on our hearts, what, what's, what's the burden that we're carrying and not entrusting to him. And then in the Gospel of John, we have this promise of answered prayer until until now you have not asked for anything in my name Jesus said ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete now as I said there are a lot more verses this is just the tip of the iceberg but Jesus tells his followers to pray over and over again and he tells us to expect God to answer us you know, I, I'm just thinking about my own life. You know, it's so important that, that we share with others when God answers a prayer in our lives because it encourages people. It's so important that we tell people that, you know, we, ask, we encourage them to, to pray for us. And then when God answers the prayer, that we, uh, that we share that. And so I'm going to just share with you a story in my life of answered prayer. Some of the folks I've been praying with on early in the mornings know about this. Uh, two weeks ago yesterday, uh, uh, I had this pain in my side, on the right side. You know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking appendicitis. It will not go away. And so I told Cynthia, you need to take me to the ER. And so she drove me to the ER, and we prayed, and we asked God to, to bring healing. And, and we got to the ER, and they said, wow, it sounds like you're having an appendicitis. And uh, so they ran a bunch of tests. And they said, well, the good news is you're not having an appendicitis. The bad news is you have colitis. And we go, oh, man, this, I think having an appendix out would be a lot better. Um, but We prayed. And, and the folks gathering in the morning prayed with me and the staff prayed with me. And, and uh, you know, I did what the doctor said and I did some other things. And uh, uh, in one week's time, there's no pain. Uh, yeah, yeah. God, God healed me. I, I want to encourage you to, to, to pray. Uh, I, I want to tell you how important it is for us to share with one another when, when we need something to pray and, and when God answers it. So uh, do you know who George Mueller is? If you don't know what George Mueller is, no fault of your own because uh, he's probably not that well known. But when I tell you about his life, you're going to say, whoa, why didn't I ever know about George Mueller? He's a guy who lived in the 1800s. He came to Christ in his 20s and God put on his heart the orphans of Bristol, England, where he lived. And so not knowing how to do it or any better, he opened an orphanage. 
He opened an orphanage, and, and, you know, when he came to Christ, he became a man of prayer. So let me just share with you uh, what one writer has written about him. He said, during a time in England when most orphans, orphans lived in miserable workhouses or on the streets, like Charles Dickens' story, Oliver Twist, Mueller took them in. He, he fed them, he clothed them, and he educated him. Through his orphanage in Bristol, Mueller cared for as many as 2,000 orphans at a time. Um, more than 10,000 in his lifetime. Yet, this is amazing. He never made the needs of the orphanages known to anyone except God. Only through his annual reports did people learn after the fact what the needs of the orphans and the orphanages had been during the previous year and how God provided. Mueller, uh, he wrote down his prayer requests and he left room to write down the answers. And so there's a physical record of this man's prayer request. In fact, over 50,000, 50,000 prayers received specific answers. And they're written in his journal. In fact, somebody's cataloged them. And, and over 30,000 of the things that he prayed for were answered in the same day or even the same hour that he prayed them. Now, think of that. Um, it, in that time span, that was 500 definite answers to prayer each year. That's more than a prayer answered every day. Um, one person who studied him and looked at the, the income that came in to meet the needs of those 10,000 orphans and says in today's dollars, that would be about a half a billion dollars that came in. And he never asked a single person. He just went to God, his provider. Uh, you know, when, when I read about George Mueller, I, you know, I, I wanted to you know, learn more about his prayers. And I learned three things. You know, I've already told you one. He kept a record. Folks, you and I need to write down our prayer request. Why? So we'll keep persisting in prayer and taking to God. And so we can write down when God answers the prayers and we can share it with other people. There's nothing, there's, you know, there's no system here. It's just saying you, it will encourage you when you know that God has answered your prayers, when you pay attention to what he's done. Here's the second thing you learned about him. He talks openly in his journals and in his records about how he struggled to pray. He struggled to, to you know, spend 10 minutes in prayer until one day he read the Bible first and then he talked to God about what he read. And then he could pray not just for minutes but for hours. We should follow that. Let God speak to you from his word and then pray. And, and then the third thing he did, which I, I just think it's, it's, it's so valuable and important for us, when God laid a prayer request on his heart before he would pray it, he would study the scripture and find a promise in scripture and he would claim that promise for that prayer. What you hear is a man who studied the Bible and prayed and trusted God. Now, look, I'm not trying to create a formula, okay? That's the wrong thing for you to take away from this. But what I'm talking about is we need to recognize that we have a good God who wants to answer prayers. And, and he's, put, he's put things in our path, means 
uh, stories, things so that we can be encouraged and trust that God's going to answer our prayers. We have a good, good God who wants to answer every prayer that you have. And he knows it before you pray it, but he wants to be in a relationship with you, and so he wants you to pray it. Um, He wants you to see his goodness manifested in your faith and in your life. And so he wants you to pray more and to trust him. He wants you to, to recognize that his plans are always good and that he gives us what we need, not what we deserve, and, and that he puts our good above his good and that he answers our prayers because he's a good God. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. What's the prayer that's most on your heart? What is it? I'm going to ask Dan to play a song because I want you to think about what that prayer is. And maybe it's somebody that you want to come to faith in Jesus. Maybe you've got an illness that you want God to heal. Maybe you've got a job issue or a relationship issue uh, or a family issue or, uh, or you name it. What is it? trust God enough to ask him? Do you you trust God enough to to put it in writing? On the chair back in front of you, there's a post-it note, a little white post-it note. There's a pen. Grab that post-it note. Don't write anything yet. Grab that pen. Everybody do it. While Dan plays this song and sings, I just want you to spend a little time with God. I want you to take that prayer request to God in prayer, and then I want you to have the courage to write it down. And then I'm going to ask you to do one more thing after, after a little while, but I'll tell you that when we get back. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write my prayer request, and I'm going to pray, and I want you to do the same thing. So let's just spend some time with God and write down that thing that's on your heart. Thank you for giving us that opportunity. And, and so let me tell you what's going to happen with those prayer requests. They're going to be prayed over by you and by me and by our leaders. And, and we're going to keep them up there through this whole series. And we're going to pray over them. And, and I would ask one more request for you. If God answers that prayer, not if, when God answers that prayer, will you let us know? Either tell us or write it on that prayer request so we can celebrate with you. In just a moment, we're going to close out the service, and I'm going to invite you to do a couple of things. Obviously, you can go out in the cafe and connect and have some food and something to drink, and I encourage you to do that. But if you want to pray with another person, we're going to have members of our prayer team up here who will pray with you. If you want to linger and pray over these prayer requests along the wall, we want you to. If you want to come during the week and pray over those, you know, we want you to. Uh, this is an opportunity to, to, to tell God you trust him and that you're bringing these prayer requests to him on behalf of your brothers and your sisters, that, that you're trusting him to do something amazing. And so uh, I want to encourage you to, to stay here and linger if you want to, to, to pray with the prayer team or pray in your seat or pray over these prayer requests and then to connect with one another. And let's look forward to what God's going to do. So let me give a, a final prayer of blessing over all of us. 
Father, as we uh, come here today, we have taken a step of faith. We have said you're a good God and you answer our prayers. So we're going to trust you to do that. We put these prayers out there, Lord, and we know that you're going to answer them. So, Lord, give us eyes to see and to hear your answers. Let us share them with one another. Let us be people who trust that you're a good God and we take it all to you and we see what you do. So we ask for your blessings over every single one of these prayer requests that you'll do far more than we dare ask or imagine. And we look forward to seeing your answers. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc. 